Hello, I'm Gemma Frith and I'm back once again with club commentator Mikey Burrows here on Wolves Radio to answer all of your questions. How are you doing, Mikey? Uh, I'm very well because once again, Gemma, we're doing this after a positive result, <laughs> which, uh, and I know that you posted on social media in the last couple of days that ever since we started this, yep. we seem to have had more positive results. Uh, I don't know whether we should claim any credit for that or not. Uh, it would probably be more than not, uh, but it certainly makes this a, a lot easier to do. So thank you very much to the team for getting points. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Long may it continue. Let's dive straight into those two games against Southampton. We are now three games unbeaten in the Premier League, as you said, a run that we haven't managed to maintain since October. Um, and those three points have boosted us up to 12th in the table. So it's, it's looking really, really positive at the moment. We've spoken a lot over the past few weeks about this change in form. How good did it feel to end the week on a win at St Mary's? It was really important, it was, because uh, I think... On the back of the FA Cup game, where I think we've spoken in the past couple of weeks about what it felt like Wolves were taking a couple of steps forwards. And maybe the FA Cup game in the first half at St Mary's felt like maybe they'd, they'd taken a step back. And so it was really important that in that second half, they got back to the levels that they'd set themselves over the last couple of weeks. The levels that we expect from a typical Wolves performance. And it showed, and I said this at the end of our coverage on Sunday, that when they play to that level, they are more than capable of competing with pretty much anybody in the Premier League. And it's the difficulty at the moment in settling in a consistent level, of being at that level all the time, which is really hard to do, and there's lots of other factors that play into it. But we know... This team has such incredible powers of recovery. I think there's only Man City and Liverpool that have taken more points from losing positions in the last couple of seasons than Wolves have. Wow. There'll be a lot of people who will say, I wish they didn't have to take points from losing positions. I wish they didn't concede the first goal as often as they have done this season, especially. I think there's only one team in Premier League history now, Gemma, that... Um, have not scored the opening goal in a game for as long as Wolves have. I think oh it's up to goodness. 14 games now. Wow. And and that is obviously the next thing that needs to change yeah. longer term. But what we can't get away from is that uh, as as frustrated as people will have been with the cup game and with the first half at St Mary's on Sunday, as we said, they did turn it round. They mm -hmm. did come back. They did show their quality. And they picked up a really important three points. And as you said, they're up to 12th. And now you're starting to look at that group of teams just above them. Because Leeds is the team immediately above Wolves. And they're up next. I know we'll get onto that in a little bit. Yeah. But then there's those other teams above who might have a couple of games in hand the way this season has gone. But you're starting to look and go, actually, there is potential that they could climb even higher. And so you've got to be feeling positive because it was... Uh, Valentine's Day as well, <laughs> so everybody will have gone back and or will have stayed at home, hopefully watching the game, <laughs> yes. but will have turned the TVs off afterwards uh, and felt in a very loving mood. <laughs> it was a lovely Valentine's gift from uh, Wolves to the fans, I think. Uh, now, as you said, I, ha I hate to use the cliche, but it really was a game of two halves on Sunday. We looked totally different when we re-emerged after half-time. What do you think was behind that change of pace? I think... Uh, 
clearly Nuno would have said a few words and uh, Chris Olamo and Carlo Kimi and Andy Thompson on our Match Day Live Extra coverage all said at half-time that if they were playing, they would have had some strong words mm. for their teammates into that dressing room. And, you know, we focus on what the manager would have said. Sometimes it's down to the players because they'll know that their levels weren't right in that first 45 minutes. Pedro Neto, I think, said the same to you after the game. Yeah. They, you know, it's up to them to go out and change it. At some point, you know, whatever the manager has said, whatever the coaching team have said, the players have to implement it. They made some slight tweaks and Traore and Neto switched sides Mm -hmm. so they could kind of come in rather than going wide to the byline. and, And then that created a lot more opportunities. The penalty came from that, Traore cutting in from one side and then obviously the winning goal from Pedro Neto able to cut in from the other and that actually gem goes back to to kind of how wolves played very early on in in nuno's tenure at mm-hmm. the club because the it used to be and stop me if i'm getting way too technical on this because <laughs> i i can bore people forever on the intricacies of nuno's <laughs> no tactics. it's amazing go they used to play what we would describe as two number tens rather than two wingers or wide players so it was uh held costa who played on the right but was left-footed, so would cut inside. Ivan Cavallero would play a lot of the times. And Diogo Jota playing from the left, who was, of course, right-footed and almost a second striker more than a wide forward. What we've seen over the last couple of years is this evolution of the tactics because teams will rightly work you out once they've seen you more and more. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen the adaptation to people like Traore and Neto as what we would term more wingers than mm-hmm. than number 10s. Say what we saw second half was going back to that original tactic and it worked wonders. And that's going to be really interesting moving forwards because as we keep talking about, this team has to adapt. It has to work out ways of winning football matches. And we've seen some slight tweaks in the formation going along. What was really positive for me was looking on Sunday and saying, actually, you know, Nuno 1.0 in the terms of how this formation has worked. Going back to that, players knew what they were doing and it worked. And so now they have a number of different options. Traore and Neto can play on their natural sides and go Mm -hmm. wide and put crosses in and cause teams problems, but they can also swap over and cause teams different types of problems. And that is a really big positive. And I always say this to you, you know, you put a tick in the column (laughs) and that's a big tick for me. Absolutely, absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about Pedro Neto's goal because it was spectacular. Uh, and after the match, similarities were drawn between that goal and a very similar one by uh, Ebanks Blake back in 2008. What did you make of his performance? Pedro Neto is uh, an incredible talent for his age. And it had been 13 games that he hadn't scored. Mm-hmm. 13 games is a, is a long time. It's a difficult one because he is so young, so you don't want to put pressure on him, and he has been one of the standout players this season. But he himself knows that he needs to contribute with goals, and he needs to contribute. And when he does contribute, Wolves generally win. He's only ever scored one goal in a defeat, by the way. Ten goals now in his Wolves career, and only one, which was away at Watford at the start of 2020, has ever come in a defeat. So when he scores, it's generally uh, a points winner. Um 
it was a wonderful goal. It's not quite as good as Sylvan's <laughs> down at the Valley uh, all that time ago. It it's, makes me feel really old that it was that long ago. Um, but it was, you know, Sylvan's had kind of, it was wider. It was an incredible turn to get in. But take nothing away from Pedro's goal because, uh, it, you know, I described it in commentary as being simply sublime. It was. It, for all the world, everyone would have expected him to cross that ball left-footed. Yeah. And to have the wherewithal to leave Vestergaard for dead and then to manage to squeeze it into that narrow gap, he deserves all the plaudits, Jamie, really does. Yeah, it was amazing. He did actually say in his post-match that Ruben was just asking for him to pass it back. And yeah, I think that's what everyone was expecting. But no, he he managed to get it in the back of the net. So absolutely fantastic. We saw some great saves as well by Rui Patricio on Sunday. He put in a fantastic performance. What did you make of him? Rui is a, such a solid goalkeeper, especially at this Premier League level. I think it almost goes under the radar sometimes that he is, you know, he produces good stops most games. He, you know, there are other elements to his game. You know, he's not the, the greatest at, at playing the ball out, though I think he is getting better at that. There's been times in his Wolves career where he's not always kind of come off his line. That's not his natural game. But then we saw on Sunday there was a really important take that he made on the edge of his six-yard box from, I think, a corner. And he's a kind of goalkeeper where you don't notice him a lot of the time until he makes those big stops. And unfortunately for him, he's had to be involved in games a hell of a lot more than he probably would have wanted to. And the ball's ended up in the back of his net mm. more than he's wanted to. But his clean sheet record in terms of the club is really impressive. And I think he, you know, he's one of those players whereby when we look back on his time at the club, whenever that comes to an end, I think people will recognise that he will be right up there as one of the best goalkeepers that we've ever had. And, you know, that's a, a great bit of praise, I think. Absolutely. So looking back across both the games we played against Southampton this week, do you think there were lessons learned from our FA Cup game um, that were taken into account three days later at St Mary's? Yeah, I think, listen, there, there is an element to Wolves at the moment where, you know, it's been talked about as a transition season. I know there are fans who would like us to have a much bigger squad and much more strength in depth. Nuno has always talked about working with a small group and this year working with players who have the potential to develop. Yes, they learned the lesson of how intense they have to be, mm -hmm. how focused they have to be. They can't afford to let teams get at them like they did Southampton in that first half, but they turned it round. And I keep saying that because it's really important, Jim, and fans will sometimes kind of forget that you know, you have to look at a game across the whole 90 minutes, not just the 45. And for 45 minutes, Wolves weren't great at Southampton. But for the second 45, they dominated. And that's what we've got to have moving forwards now. Keep going at that level as much as they can because injuries and fatigue will play its part. Mm -hmm. But that's what we want more from Wolves. And I think every fan will agree with that. We want them to be that Wolves because that Wolves is frightening for other teams yes definitely it's definitely a difficult period with the congestion of the fixtures this season more than most now the next question we've had in uh, is not necessarily about the last two games but reflecting back since we've had William Jose in the squad they've really enjoyed seeing Traore and William Jose working together and they'd like to see it a bit more what are your thoughts on them as a pair 
Um, I, it's that's a hard one because they're they're kind of not really a pair. They're a, they're a trio. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we've just been talking about Pedro Neto and yeah. how good he is, uh, and it seems weird to kind of exclude him from that chat. I I like William Jose. He is. I said when he first arrived, you know, he's 29 years old. He knows his game inside out. Mm-hmm. He needs a goal, like all strikers do. You know, that will be a big boost for him. And adapting to the pace and the tempo. And that's what we talked about, you know, in that in our last answer about the fact that, you know, it can be really hard and fatiguing. And he's a guy who, whilst he's played a couple of games and made a couple of appearances for Sociedad, he, you know, he wasn't the main man there. He hasn't been relied upon to produce every couple of days and coming to a new country into a new setup trying to learn how wolves play and be that main focal point that's really difficult to try and do Traore we know what you're going to get from him he's an enigma he's an incredible talent he can beat players it's hard enough just to keep up with him let alone make sure you can get on the end of what he does you know, that's why we should never play down what Raul Jimenez has achieved yes. in the last couple of years because Traore is fast. And if he can leave three defenders for dead, then think about what it's like for his teammates to try and get up there with him. They're clearly working on it. I liked Traore coming from the left. I thought it was something a little bit different. I thought William Jose occupied defenders and that allowed the space to, to be able to get Nelson Semedo up the pitch to get the penalty and then mm-hmm. to get Pedro Neto in there because it's actually, when you look at a player's contribution, Gem, certainly for me anyway, it, it's never just about pure numbers. And take that second goal, for instance. Pedro Neto gets all the plaudits, rightly so. It was a wonderful goal. But the way that it's William Jose that challenges in the immediate build-up to it. And that ball drops to Neves. Neves plays a wonderful first-time pass into the path of Pedro Neto. And that's where the goal happens from. Mm -hmm. And so you can take it back and go, well, Neves gets the assist, and it's a wonderful assist. But also, you know, that doesn't go in an assist column for William Jose. But if he's not there doing that role for the team, that attack doesn't happen. So I like him. I think there's more to come from him, hopefully. And we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. Well, you mentioned there Nelson Semedo. We've had another question about him as well. What do you think of his performance this season so far? He's another that's uh, adapting to the way that Wolves play. And, you know, Wolves, over the last couple of years, they have been so well drilled Mm -hmm. in everything they do. You know, Barcelona played a flat back four and he played behind possibly the world's greatest ever footballer in Lionel Messi. So his role was completely different. So you have to kind of give him credit for the fact that he is, you know, he is learning, firstly, what Wolves want him to do, which as well, by the way, has always sometimes been in the back four over the last couple of weeks as well, which is difficult when you're flitting between wing back and full back. How far forwards are you supposed to go? How defensive are you supposed to be? What's your role in the team? But I think he's in the top 20 or possibly even the top 10 for the amount of tackles that he's made in the Premier League so far. He's certainly in the top 20 for the amount of touches of the ball that he's had so far. He's It's difficult in terms of who's playing ahead of him. Mm -hmm. Is it Traore? Then we saw it was Neto. And I think, you know, Neto cutting in field allowed him a bit more room to to come forwards. So that might be something that's going to get more out of his game. 
because as we've seen, he got up there, he had a strike on goal, it hit Ryan Bertrand's arm, it was a clear penalty. Yep. And so he played his part for the team. Mm -hmm. So yes, a bit like William Shose, there is more to come from him mm -hmm. as he adapts more. You know, let's let's see what happens for the rest of this season. And I say probably next season, because we're about a year away, I think, from really seeing what this team is going to be all about. Well, the next game, we're back at home, back at Molyneux to face Leeds. What are your thoughts ahead of that game? Leeds uh, was a really interesting test earlier this season mm, because they were yeah. flying at the time. And Wolves went there and produced one of the best defensive displays that we've seen in an awful long time they were at and i walked away again saying that was absolute classic wolves because they soaked up all the pressure they you know Leeds had a lot of the ball and got into good areas but didn't really test rui patricio very much and then wolves got on the counter-attack second half came strong as we know they always tend to do second half games and got the goal and won the game yeah It'll be different this time. You know, Leeds will be smarting because they, they got well beaten at Arsenal. They had a couple of goals to get back into it, but they were well beaten. Mm. They're, you know, say they're only just ahead of Wolves in the table. People talk about them having an amazing season. They are in terms of a promoted team. Yeah, yeah. But Wolves set the standard for what promoted teams can do, and they're not reached Absolutely. what we were doing over the last couple of years. Yeah. It'll be a really interesting game. They'll come to Molyneux and they will play the exact same way that they always play. Mm -hmm. It's up to Wolves to match their intensity, and we keep coming back to that because that's a key point in Premier League games. And if they do, like I said, that Wolves are more than a match for quite a few teams, more than teams in the Premier League. So let's see what happens on Friday. Obviously, Wolves will have a little bit more of a break than they normally have as yeah. well which sounds crazy when it's only like four or five days, but it makes a difference. So hopefully we can keep being positive next week. Yes, definitely. For the first time, I think this is going to be our, our only game to discuss when we have another chat next week. But yeah, let's hope we're continuing this run and we'll be chatting again after a win on Friday. That'd be fantastic. We're going to finish off today, as always, with a question about you, Mikey. Oh, Looking gosh. over the interviews that you've done, because you've done lots of interviews over the years with Wolves players, who is your favourite player to interview, past or present? Uh, present? I mean, I, I obviously get on really well with Connor Cody. Mm -hmm. And um, we did a really nice episode of our My Golden Game podcast with Connor Cody when he signed his new contract. And people can go and listen to that now Brilliant. via the Wolves app. Um, Pedro Neto is always fun. He's always good to get on, and he's come on our Match Day Live Extra coverage a couple of times and been really good. Um, in the past, I, I obviously, it shows because he now comes on Match Day Live Extra, but I always really got on with Carlo Kimi. Yeah. Uh, he has a, a very dry humour, <laughs> and um, he loves to kind of banter me and, <laughs> uh, do, and say things and stuff. And uh, I remember doing his first interview when he came back to the club after his illness and it was mm. kind of and it was it was a strangely emotional yet happy occasion to do it um so it was really nice there there've been some interviews that that haven't been great um there've been some uh people that probably didn't like me asking questions 
at certain times uh, but that's the that's the nature of the job and and i'm delighted that you now have to do that and you now have to be the person they speak to after a game so you know it's all on you rather than me for a change yeah well i've done a small handful of interviews a very very small fraction compared to the amount that you've done over the years but yeah i agree that connor cody is a, um, a fantastic person to interview he's lovely but also really, really difficult to transcribe. When I've had to type up those interviews afterwards, he speaks like a thousand words a second. <laughs> trying, to, trying to translate what he's saying is, is difficult. Translating Scouse is hard. Well, do you know what, Jem? It's like people don't, I think people don't realise sometimes just how difficult a skill it is to speak to players immediately after a game, especially when the result is maybe not the way that it's wanted yeah. to go because emotions are running high. And you have to ask them why it didn't work out mm. in some regards. You know, it's easy when they've won. Yeah. I remember being at games, you know, where, for instance, when we were at Bristol City in the championship and uh, Ryan Bennett scores in the last minute and obviously Nuno's famous celebration in the stand. Yes. Um, I was one of the first ones to get down to the, the mix zone, which is kind of a big area between the dressing rooms and the TV cameras are all set up to do the interviews there. And Nuno had just done his his uh, Sky TV interview. And rather than kind of stopping to do the interview with me, he was so happy, he just grabbed me and dragged me into the dressing room <laughs> and and kind of joined in all the hugging. Oh and you were all goodness. like, yeah, it's amazing. And you're going for it. And it's like, and you know, and that's a really special feeling. And we've had a couple of those where, you know, you have a big result and he would come out and he'd just look at me and he'd be like, are you happy? And I'd be like, what do you think? And you'd have a kind of a big hug. And yet, on the other side of that, I had to be the man that asked him the questions after the FA Cup semi-final defeat. Mm. And when you see a man as down as Nuno was at that time, mm. that's really hard because the fans want to hear some answers. It, it's a really difficult skill. It's a really difficult thing. It's a privilege to be in that position to see what happens. You know, I've been on the pitch um, after the promotion celebrations, walking around with the players, and it's incredible. And the players are so happy and they're, they're more than willing to chat, which is great at that time. <laughs> it's not always the case other times. Um, I was here when, when we were having double relegations. And if you think it's been difficult at times in the last couple of months, it ain't nothing like trying to talk to some players after some of those games yeah. and performances. Yeah, really tough. I think like... One thing I've noticed so far is that you get the rawest of emotions straight after the game. Um, they're exhausted and, and they're really feeling every part of the result, whether it's a win and they're absolutely elated and so happy and very, as you say, very happy to chat um, or, or they're frustrated. Like the last time I did speak to Connor Cody was um, Wolves-Leicester, the 0-0 draw. And he was really, really frustrated, really frustrated. The last thing he wanted to do was probably talk to me, but obviously was very gracious and um, gave me some great answers. But yeah, he he really wasn't happy with the result and thought they could have gone ahead and, and got the win. So you do really get to see those instant raw emotions when you're, when you're doing those post-match interviews. So I can only imagine how difficult some of those relegation post-match interviews would have, would have been. Really, really difficult. Well... That wraps up all of my questions for today. We'll have another chat next week. So if there's anything you want to ask, Mikey, please do get in touch on Twitter and we'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye.